Hello, Saubona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, church. Good to see you guys this morning. Can you look at somebody and give them a Bluetooth high five or fist punch? Can you just look around the room, smile at somebody, love on them? Let me just ask a question quickly. This is your first church service this year that you've been to in person. Raise your hand. Your first church service. Look at that. Come on. Welcome to you guys. <laughs> Good to have you. You know, I was, uh, I was just laughing, uh, chuckling to myself there when X was talking about, you know, every garage, every shop that sells what? Prune juice. Prune juice. Hey, the cravings that a pregnant woman have are something else. I remember Trish phoning me when she was pregnant with our first, and I was at work, and she said, I need a spinach and feta muffin, and I need it now. And there's sometimes men, when your wife will speak, you obey. <laughs> you know, it's just better to obey. I had to go find that spinach effect. With our second born, she had a meat craving. And she convinced the, uh, the, the manager of Butcher Block, which was closed, to bring a steak to her. Because we didn't have a car, so she couldn't get out. She was stuck at home. She convinced the manager of Butcher Block to bring her a steak at like 10.30 in the morning. And he delivered it himself. Because he also knew the power of a pregnant woman right there. <laughs> uh, needless to say, the first child was cheaper than the, the second. But um, <laughs> it's, so, it's so good to see you all this morning. I just special welcome to Tawini and Reggie, my friends over there. Thank you for joining us this morning. Wonderful to see you and the girls. Um, yeah. So... Uh, so we've been talking about discipleship. Amen? Are we ready to get into the Word this morning? Have you got a Bible? Have you got a pen? Have you got a notebook? Have you got a f- smile? Have you got a friend? You, then you're prepared for church, okay? Um, so we've been talking about discipleship, and uh, really we've been just exploring what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, and what does it mean to obey the Great Commission and go make disciples? And so far, what we've learned in this series is that... You know what? That the main purpose of a church is to make disciples. That we, at the end of the day, every nation in Durban, we should be a disciple-making factory. And uh, it's been so encouraging hearing some of the testimonies coming back. I was talking with Sia this last week, and, and he was like, Yo, this word is hitting me hard, and subs my area leaders on my back every day. <laughs> and so he went and started a connect group this last week, gathered some guys, and started discipling them. Well done, champ. So, so good, man. Um, and there's been so many other testimonies as well. But, but yeah, this is, this is, at the end of the day, we need to be a disciple-making factory. We've got to obey the Great Commission. So church is not just about a Sunday service. It's not just about, yeah, we get dressed up, and we come, and we worship, and we pray, you know, and then, and then we go home, and that, that's it. No, we've been called to a Great Commission. Jesus has called us to go and make disciples of the whole world. At the end of the day, what we should have in this room is, should be exported globally. Amen? 
Amen. All right, just check with me before you export yourself, okay? <laughs> so, so this is what we've been learning in this series, and um, I wanted to start off with like a, a, a little story today. So here's a little story I want to read for you. It, say, it says the following. Now, it came, it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. Any fishermen here this morning? One. One. Okay, two. <laughs> no, like I mean the real fishermen, like you catch fish. Not even one. Ah, you're all my friends. I, I really don't believe in fishing, man. I, I, if I'm going to fish, I'm going to fish with dynamite. You know what I mean? Like I can't sit there all day, maybe catch a fish or maybe not. It's like, you know? Anyway. What am I talking about? Let's carry on. And lo, there were, there were many fish in the waters all around them. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what does fishing mean. They defended fishing as an occupation and declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of a fisherman. Continually they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they said the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. They loved slogans such as fishing is the task of every fisherman. And Every fisherman is a fisher. And every fisherman's outpost for every fisherman's club. They sponsored special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns and the Month of the Fisherman to Fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide conferences to discuss fishing, to promote fishing, and hear about all the ways of fishing, such as the new fishing equipment, fishing calls, and whether, their new bait was whether or not a new bait was discovered. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. And the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. <laughs> large, elaborate, expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, courses were offered on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and feed fish. Those who had taught had doctorates in fishology, but none of the doctors ever fished. Some of them said they wanted to be part of the fishing party, but they felt called to furnishing fishing equipment instead. Others felt their job was to relate to the fish in a good way so that the fish would know the difference between a good or a bad fisherman. <laughs> Others felt that simply letting the fish know they were nice, land-loving neighbors and how loving and kind they were was enough. One stirring meeting on the necessity for fishing led to one young fellow left the meeting and he went fishing. Everybody gasped. The next day, he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. 
And he was honored for this with an excellent catch. And he was scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell everyone how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to have time to tell people about the experience of fishing. He was placed on the fisherman's general board as the person having considerable fishing experience. Imagine how hurt some were when one day a person suggested that those who didn't catch fish were not really fishermen. Yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year he never catches fish? Translate that into our discipleship series. Is someone really a disciple if they never make a disciple in all their years? Ouch. (laughs) So, church, today's message is entitled Demystifying Discipleship. And I'd like you to think of today's message as as an equipping, as a training. This is a moment for us as fishermen to come together to get empowered and get equipped. And my goal is this morning is that you're going to walk out here with a very clear idea of what it means to make a disciple. That we would demystify it. Because sometimes as a church we can make it so complicated. And there's all these slogans and all these things you have to remember. And then eventually you're like, I don't know if I can do this. My goal today, you're going to walk out here. You know exactly how to go and make a disciple. And we're going to hopefully do that in 20 to 30 minutes. Amen. So we're going to start in the Great Commission again. Matthew 28 verse 18. But let's pray before we get into the word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, it brings healing, it brings direction. We treasure your word more than our daily bread. We boldly confess that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Are you in Matthew 28, verse 18? I don't even think you need to go there. Can we read it all together? Let's go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And make of doing what? In the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to everything that I have commanded you. And yo, 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 I will to to the end of the age. (laughs) Amen. Scripture known as the Great Commission, the task that Jesus has given to the church. Let's have a look at this Great Commission. Let's unpack it in a little bit more detail. What has Jesus commanded us to do? He's commanded us to go and make disciples, not converts. Amen? But I want you to notice this morning that he elaborates on what it means to make a disciple. He says, go make disciples of all nations. And then he gives two things. He says, firstly, baptize them, what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, what does he say? Teach them to obey some of the stuff, the cool stuff, everything that I have commanded you. So Jesus kind of gives us an idea of the process involved 
in obeying the Great Commission. Firstly, what do we need to do? We need to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to be obedient to everything that Jesus commanded. Question, what does it mean? What did Jesus mean when he said baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What was he talking about? Well, we know that we do baptize people in water. We do know that we baptize people in the Holy Spirit. There's two baptisms, baptism in water. You get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So it could have a literal meaning, but it could also have a figurative meaning in the sense that the word baptize means to immerse. In Greek, it's the, it's the word um, baptismo, which means to immerse in, dunk in, saturate in, bring into, uh, bring someone completely into something. So you can, you can bring somebody into a way of life. Uh, you can bring somebody into a philosophy, into an understanding. And personally, when I read the Great Commission, I see it as both. That Jesus literally meant go and baptize them in water, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. We've got to make sure that that is done. Those are the most important things. Get them baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. But also, I think what he meant was bring them into the understanding of the Trinity relationship. You know, immerse them in the understanding that they have a God called Father. You know, Jesus radically changed the concept of God when he told us to pray, Our Father who who art in heaven. When he told us that we are the children of God. He taught us that God is a Father. And this was revolutionary. And when Jesus said, Go baptize all these nations in the name of the Father, what he was saying is, Tell them they've got a dad in heaven. Tell them there's somebody who loves them, who thinks of them as their child, who who wants nothing but the best for them. Immerse them in the understanding. And remember, they would have gone out to nations that that had concepts of God, but they were worshiping idols, and they had multiple gods and multiple different, you know, things, understandings of God. And so he was like, bring people into the understanding that there is a Father in heaven, a Father who sent His only Son to die for your sins. And that after that, if you believe and put your trust in Him, He will empower you with the Holy Spirit to live the righteous life that He's called you to live. Bring them, immerse them, saturate them in that understanding. You know, make sure that that frames their reality now from, for life. I mean, don't, don't you walk with that reality? Come on, Christians. Don't you, isn't that incredible? Isn't that a beautiful story that we're, we've been adopted into the family of God? And there's this Trinity relationship. And so I think Jesus meant it literally, but I also think he meant, meant baptize, immerse them in this understanding. Let this be the way they think about life, that they wake up in the morning, I have a father. I have a brother in Jesus, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit living in me today. This is, this is you know, man, if we just woke up like that every morning, how different would our days be, hey? You know, most of us are walking around, and we, we, we're not immersed in that. We're not saturated in that. And so Jesus was saying, that can solve a whole lot of pain, people. That can save you a whole lot of pain. Just waking up, a whole lot less stress, just waking up with the understanding of the Trinity. Just having that, you know? And Jesus was immersed them in that, okay? And then he goes on and he says, then teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. <laughs> what, is the, what is my first takeaway from this? Well, when I, I look at these instructions, baptize them, that means we've got to saturate people in the understanding of the Trinity, also baptism in water and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's... How do we do that? That's a big job. And then 
then we've got to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Obey. You know, Owami said it's really, really well this morning. People, you know, often don't want to listen. They don't want to obey. They don't want to sacrifice like X was saying. So then we've got to teach them to obey everything that Jesus... My first takeaway from this Great Commission is this. This is a big job. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, this is... This sounds like all hands on deck to me. This sounds like this is a a very thorough instruction that we've been given. I mean, this is not like... I don't think we could walk away and go like... It's not like, take this letter and give it to that person over there, job done. This is not like, send somebody a text message encouraging them and your job's done. This is not buy a Bible for someone and give it to them and hope they understand it. This is not bring somebody to church and hopefully they'll get it. Hopefully they'll like, you know, see what's going on and eventually understand what worship is. And, and re- you know, somehow they'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. So I know Knox will, you know, pray for her and then she'll get healed or something. But, you know, it's, this is not an instruction just to kind of do a this or a that or a just a give a that or this. This is, this is, this is going to require attention. This is going to require focus. This is going to require dedication from us. Okay? For example, let me give you an idea of how much dedication this will require. New Testament scholars have gone and examined what are all the commands of Jesus. How many commands did Jesus give? The, sim- the most simple version is that there are 49 specific commands of Christ. That's the shortened version. That was the shortest one I could find. Okay? New Testament scholars also went and studied the New Testament and then they looked at, well, what are, what are the, not only the commands of Christ, but the elaboration on those commands that the apostles gave in the epistles. Like how, because often the epistles would take the words, I mean, the apostles would take the words of Jesus and they would unpack them in the letters that they wrote. What happens then is that you get over 1,050 commands. Specific commands. To give you an idea of some of these commands, Avi, if you wouldn't mind just putting up those um, some of those commands, like Jesus said, for example, I mean, you know all of these, seek first the kingdom of God above seeking things of the world. So like, make sure your life direction is not pursuing the things of the world, but make sure that you have a kingdom vision for your life, that the kingdom is dominating your vision for your life. It's not just about a nice car, a nice home, a nice this, a nice salary, a nice job, comfort, 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 stuff, 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 of God. It's much greater. It's a much higher calling. It's with eternity in mind. Put your life in that. Okay, that's just one command of Jesus. What about this one? Keep your word or let your yes be yes. What about don't return evil for evil? Turn the other cheek. If they force you to go one mile, what do we do? If they force you to wear one mask, what do we do? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. Luke 19, do business till I come. It was a command of Jesus, and we can unpack that all day. That's the, each of these are a sermon on their own, sermon series on their own. Finally, Matthew 26, watch and pray. I mean, the, it goes on. There's 49, and there's 1,050 if you elaborate on them. So what do, we, what do we get from this? Well, discipleship is a lot bigger than what we think. And it's not only big in the sense that this is a big task. Like, I mean... It's also big in the sense that this is an important thing. I mean, can you imagine if we don't teach people just those five? What type of Christian businesses will we have if your yes is not your yes? 
What type of Christians will we be in society if we're not seeking first the kingdom? You know what? Can, can you see like these are not just like you know, nice to haves. That, that these are actually commands to revolutionize society as a whole. This is commands that will actually change an entire city. These are things that are like, man, if we don't have these, stuff falls apart in the world. Okay? So how valuable is it to go and make disciples? It's so valuable. And it's also obvious that a lot of this can't be taught in a classroom. Amen? Like a lot of this has to be like, follow me as I follow Christ. And as you go, we're going to have a moment where you're going to have to learn to make your yes be yes. And there's going to be a moment where somebody treats you with evil. And I'm going to be that voice in your life that says, don't return evil for evil. I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you to the words of Jesus. And I'm going to, you know, so a lot of this is not just classroom. We can't take Christians, stick them in a classroom, teach them 1,050 commands, and then job is done. Okay, so are you getting an idea of how big this project is? (laughs) I think some of you look so shocked this morning. I know. That's my job. That's my job. I'm here to scare you all, all right? (laughs) So the question is, well, then what do we do? (laughs) This is too big. This is too scary. Yes, it is big. I want, to, I want to break it down for us. I want to make it look so easy for us. My goal is that you're going to leave here just empowered to know what to do and where to start. Okay, so where do we start in the journey of becoming a disciple maker? Well, I like pictures. How many of you like pictures? I think in pictures, okay? So bear with me this morning, all right? I have a graph for us, okay, that I want to share with you. And, uh, and I just feel like this is... It, you know, a picture can say a thousand words. It can really, it can really help us this morning. So, Avi, if you wouldn't mind just putting up that, that first graph that I want to show you. All right. This represents somebody's spiritual growth journey. Okay, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the, the journey of a disciple there. And it's meant, to, can you see that it's an upward line? Why? Because we're called to go from glory to glory and strength to strength. All right, this is an upward journey. And, and at the end, what is the goal of this journey? Is that we would all be faithful and fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ. That we would be like Jesus, in other words, okay? There's a goal in mind. In Ephesians 4, it says, Let all the teaching and the work of the ministry and the church be so that it creates people, that, it, that the, the outcome is that we grow up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. The fullness of Christ-likeness, faithfulness and fruitfulness in our lives. So that, rep- that line represents a- an upward journey. When you give your life to Christ, you're starting right at the bottom there. You know nothing about anything. You don't know how to read the Bible. You don't know how to pray. You don't know, how, you don't know the commands of Jesus. All right? you don't even, you're not even water baptized yet. But as you start to obey, as you start to follow the words of Jesus, you grow in strength, in character. How many of you got better over the years? I hope some of you, yeah? Come on. <laughs> We're hoping right now, yeah. Come on, I, I, come on, be confident. I, I know I'm a lot better than I was 10 years ago. Amen? Amen? What has been the, the pro, what is, what is that goodness? I'm gonna give all the glory to God. To the power of His Word, to the power of discipleship, to sitting under the Word, to being part of a community. God is, God is changing us. He's growing us. He's maturing us, okay? So this is the journey of a disciple. Now, would you agree with me that what is the most important part of this journey? 
Like just a question. Let me. The beginning. Amen. The beginning part would be the most important. Why? Well, because the, the beginning is where you're laying a foundation in somebody's life. The beginning part sets the, what's going to happen thereafter. Okay, if you don't do the beginning part right on, right on that line, that, that, that red line might not go up. It might plateau. It might even go down. Uh, you've heard of backsliding, yeah? Okay, and that's, that's a sign that something went wrong in the beginning part. We didn't, we didn't get all the right stuff in there at the right time. So the beginning part is the most important part of any disciple's journey. That is the special time. When somebody gives their life to Jesus, that is the time that disciple makers get active and get busy. It's the most critical moment where we've got to put in the right foundations so that that line keeps going up and up and up and up and up and they become everything that God has called them to be. So just like you have in in school, if you're going to go to university, I mean, imagine if you never went to school and you went and did university maths. Would you cope? Would you survive? You would never survive, right? It was all those preschool days where you're learning like three times. Did we learn that in preschool? No. <laughs> one plus one equals two plus two equals. <laughs> you know, we, we, come on, do you remember those days? And you had to learn those timetables. Those were foundations. So that, like, if one day you went to varsity, you would be, like, you know, calculating the, the circumference of stuff and the earth and pressure and all that sort of stuff. You wouldn't even have to think about what's 7 times 6. You just, it was drilled into you. Okay, it's in you. It's in you. What is 7 times 6? Just checking you awake, all right? Just checking. I knew the answer. So, what we have designed as a church, because remember we're a disciple-making factory is we've designed a growth plan in order to put the foundations into, uh, into somebody's life. Okay, So what does our growth plan look like? Avi, if you wouldn't mind just putting that up. Is it up? All right. There we go. That's, okay, wait, wait. Go back to the other one, please, if you wouldn't mind. Sorry, that one. Yeah. Okay. Look at what Paul said here. He said... So we're looking at the foundations part. He said, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. I want you to notice something here. The Apostle Paul said this. He's, he's referring to, um, to, to the, the process of making a disciple. is almost like building a building. And what's the most important part of this building right now? The roof is great. We like the roof. Amen. We're happy for the walls and the windows and everything and the floor. We're, gra- we're grateful. But what's the most important part right now? That if you take that away, everything else is it's that foundation. All right? That thing is, we wouldn't be so secure up here on the third floor if that wasn't right. Amen? We could fall over quite easily. So he said, I've laid the foundation like how? Like an expert builder. Like an expert builder. So this is experts, you know, you, you're, you're an expert. I mean, he's thinking, what is the most important part of this person's journey? And I'm going to go and lay that like an expert builder. So if we're going to start with discipleship, we've got to think like that. We're going to think of ourselves as expert builders and the most important part being that foundation. Now, we've designed a growth plan. Thanks, Pumlani, if you wouldn't mind just going to that. 
This is our foundation, uh, our, grow, yeah, our growth plan and foundations. So we've designed like four short courses as a church. We have the BFC, then we have the CMC, then we have the DMC, and then we have Advanced Leadership School. Right? Now, this is a package course. And the reason why we put this growth plan together is because we realize foundations are critical in people's lives. The BFC covers who is Jesus? Why did Jesus come? It covers the foundation of Christ, basically. Making sure that people understand that Jesus is the only way. That they understand repentance. Water baptism. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. How to read your Bible. Why do we praise and worship? Why do we raise our hands when we praise and worship? Because there's power in it. Amen? Why, why do we do all these things? It's all packed into the BFC. These are critical things that every Christian needs to have right at the beginning. It's like a newborn baby craves its mother's milk. That BFC is like mother's milk, okay? It's like, it's like the, the, all the nutrients that a baby needs in order to grow. Then we have the CMC, which is our church members course. And, and that is about bringing people into the understanding that you do life in community. That the best life you can live is one where you are accountable, like X was saying. Where you have brothers and sisters in Christ walking with you and who can check up on you and pray with you and you can help them and you're iron sharpening iron and you're propelling each other to be better husbands and, and better business owners and you, you're just like stimulating, spurring each other on to follow Christ, okay? So CMC lays that foundation of spiritual family, critical we do not want people to think that they can follow Christ alone. I think it's the enemy's plan to isolate people and cause you to live in a place where nobody else knows you or your weaknesses or how you, you go. That, that's a building that's going to fall one day. That's a building that's going to fall. If, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, says I pity the man who, who falls and has no one to pick him up. Pity that person. That's a bad life to live is where, where you're the only person who knows your weaknesses. You know what I mean? Okay, at least you've got some architects around you, you know, who can, you know the fault lines here and can help you. So that's the CMC. Then the DMC is a disciple makers course where we teach people about the calling to make disciples and how to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's equipping and it's training and empowering to share your faith with others. Critical step that we're not only faithful, but that we're fruitful as well. And then the advanced leadership school trains people on how to be world changers. How do, how do you think about the world when you go to work? How, how should you be thinking about your life? That I really believe that every Christian in this room, you're a world changer. You were called to live a life of impact. You, you were called to build empires that are going to fund the gospel. And you're called to start programs that are going to change the city and the scape and people's lives and families. We are world changers. When I read the Bible, Jesus said, you're a city set on a hill. That's basically saying you're a world changer, church. That's who you are. You're meant to shine, okay? So that's, that's all that. So all of that is like what we've done as a church is we've gone like, okay, we want to be a disciple-making factory We've got to have this thing called a growth plan that when somebody gets saved, we can plug them into and we can train them. We can take them through a process where they gain understanding and they gain ability on how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why is our growth plan so awesome? There's many growth plans out there. Ours are so awesome because it's online. Can you say online? Online. Click, click. All right. Uh, it's online. Go to ianderban.org and click grow. 
And from there, you start at the BFC. I know a lot of Christians, like, they always, like, if they've been Christians for a while, they come into our church and they're like, can I join Advance? And I'm like, no. Why not? Because you haven't done the BFC. But I know the BFC. Yeah, I know. But do it again anyway. Come get baptized into our language, into our culture, and how we do things. I want to make sure that that foundation really is in your life. I don't want to have faith that maybe somebody laid it in your life. Let's, let's, let's just do an inspection. Let's check it out. And, and sometimes that tests people's hearts. You know? Oh, great. Let it test your hearts. But we want to be expert builders here. We don't want to leave anything unchecked. And, and make, so, so start there. Then move on to CMC, then DMC, then advance. And, uh, and it's, the fact that it's online, like you watch videos, you do quizzes, it's amazing. All right? So it's available 24-7. You can do it in your own time if you're a mom, uh, if, you're, you know, if you're a business person. I, you know, I'm coaching somebody through this growth plan now, and they, and they do it in the mornings before they go to work. And it's amazing. You know? And the, what makes us even more amazing is that we build a coaching system into it. Whereas you watch three or four videos and then you cannot watch any more videos until you have a face-to-face meeting with your coach or disciple maker. Okay? Coach is just a modern word for disciple maker. Why? Because we don't want people just consuming content without having any life change in there. Okay, so then you meet with your coach and your coach goes, you got it. Let's do the next few videos. All right? And so, so we built this online growth. You, I, I'm, I don't know why we don't have cheering in this room right now. I don't know. <laughs> Are you alive? Come on, expert builders. I, I, doesn't this make you excited, hey? Come on. <laughs> so why is it good to have a growth plan as a church? It's good because if all we have is this Sunday meeting, and we start with the BFC this Sunday, and we go for the next two months doing the BFC, and somebody new arrives in our church after two months, when we're starting the CMC, now we have to go back and do the BFC again. Right? No, because we don't leave people behind. And then what if somebody new comes again? And if somebody new comes again? So the fact that it's not on a Sunday, that we put it into a, another platform that pe- people can plug into is a smart thing. It's a wise idea, okay? Now imagine with me for a moment that we all in this room went through that. And we all were coached through it. Now, better yet, imagine once you finish it, you find someone and say, hey, I would like to walk with you on your journey of spiritual growth. Can you sign up on the growth plan and I will be your coach? And then you coach them in the way you've been coached. And better yet, once you've finished with them, that they then so impacted by the experience and the prayer and the counsel that you've given to them through that whole process, that they then want to do it for somebody else. So imagine all of us in this room went and found one person and took them through the growth plan this year. Would you say that's a fruitful year as a disciple-making factory? I think it would be. Maybe 100 people in the room. I don't know. That would mean like another 100 people got foundations laid in their lives. They know they're a world changer. They know how to make disciples. They understand the value of spiritual family. They understand they've been baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, praise God. You know, and guys, are you catching this? That's what this thing is about. This is how we go about this task. So what comes after the foundations? Well, many many other things, okay? There's many other things to teach people. That's not the entire thing that we have to teach people, but we've got to make sure that that part is at least done. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. 
There are many other things. We have Sunday services. We have connect groups. We have all of those to help people thereafter to continue growing. We also have other courses as the Every Nation Family, leadership courses, ministry schools, all sorts of things that come thereafter. But remember, foundation is critical. All right? Now, let me... What is, what, is, what is the role of a disciple maker in this journey? We've looked at this red line of somebody growing in Jesus. What is the role of a disciple maker? If you wouldn't mind just putting up that next slide there. Um, I hope you all can see that. All right. It's getting a little more complicated now. Are you still, this feels like science class. Okay, are you okay? You're being equipped, all right? So what is the role of a disciple maker? Here, this shows... The yellow line shows the role of a disciple maker. And I want you to know how it decreases in the beginning. Why does it decrease in the beginning? Well, because your role at the beginning stages of somebody's life is so important. It's very high responsibility. It's high effort. It's, it's like the time where you've really got to be hands-on. But as that person grows, your role in their life decreases. Why? Because you're not discipling them to yourself. You're discipling them to Jesus. Okay, so your role is decreasing to that X spot over there, all right, this magical moment. What happens at X? At X, that's where the person takes responsibility for their own journey of growth. That's the moment where they know how to feed themselves. They know how to pray for themselves. They know how to read that Bible for themselves. They know how to worship. They know how to get counseling when they need it. They know how to look at their soul and interpret what's going on. They understand spiritual warfare because the BFC taught them all of that. They know what's happening in their lives. They're, they're able now to feed themselves. Imagine if we grew kids that we still needed to feed when they were 21 years old. I mean, we celebrate the fact that Awami can brush his teeth today. Amen and duly family. Imagine if you're still brushing his teeth now. You know what I mean? It's like at some point, you know, people, we've got to grow up. You know, when we look at David in the scriptures, he was able to encourage himself in the Lord. You know, you've got to be able to pick up that Bible and encourage yourself with it, man. And tap into the Spirit of God and get filled with the anointing of God and go out and do your day. You can't just have Langer like hanging over you, praying for you all the time, counseling you every single day for the rest of your life. Got to grow up, Amen. Amen. Okay, so the X marks that spot, that moment where I've, I've got these foundations and I'm, I'm living now for, I know how to do this thing. And thereafter, the role of a disciple maker, what is your role in their life? Just to be consistent. Just to be a, a continual witness to them where you iron sharpening iron. Let me tell you something, the best moments I have is when spiritual sons sharpen me. That's the best. You know, when I can look at guys who I knew, like, man, they knew nothing about Jesus. Now today, some of the men in this house, they sharpen me. Some of the stuff that comes out of their mouth, I'm like, yo, Wayne, you got to do that. you got to do that better. As X is talking about how he's serving his wife there. Come on, men, huh? Don't you feel the challenge right there? It's not about you. Come on, let's serve our wives. Let's love our wives. Amen. They're, they're, we're sharpening each other. That's what's happening. But there was a time where he, he didn't know that. <laughs> but he had to be trained at some point. You know, somebody had to impart that. But he's got it. He's doing it. Amen? X marks the spot. <laughs> X, you're the spots, okay? <laughs> and the benefit 
of doing this within a disciple-making factory and not just isolated is this, is that we don't have everything for everybody. You know, there's things that like, you know, as a disciple-maker, you're not going to be able to give to somebody in their, in their journey. But praise God, there's somebody in the church who understands inner healing, who's gone and sharpened themselves in counseling, and they're able to help that person in freedom. Praise God, there's people in the church who've got marriages that have stood the test of time, and maybe you're not able to help them to marriage or parenting, but you know what? There's a Malcolm and Clay who can. There's a, a Langer and Knox who can. You know what I mean? There's, there, when we do this in community, you know, there, there's so much more impact on the people we're discipling. So look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. It says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting and who does the CMC and who does the BFC. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. Amen? We've got to grow, people. The one who plants and the one who waters together work with the same purpose. What is the purpose? Spiritual growth. We want to see people faithful and fruitful in Christ. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Can somebody say amen? amen? For both are God's workers. Guys, there are such rewards for making disciples. Maybe we need to do one of those sermons in this series on that. Just the reward of being a disciple maker. You will be rewarded. That's a promise. That comes from Jesus, all right? This is Paul speaking, but he's talking about the words of Jesus. You will be rewarded for making disciples. So, but I want us to just understand something as well. We have a, a proverb in Africa that says it takes a village to raise a child. Have you heard that? Yeah. It really does, okay? And I really believe it does take a village to raise a disciple. However, we must not think, because this is our village this morning. We're in a village. Look around. Look at our village. Isn't this a beautiful village? Multicultural, multi-generational village we have. Look around at your village. It's important that we don't have this, this idea that I could bring somebody here and somebody will pick them up. And somebody will do it. And my role was I just sowed the seed. I just watered. No, 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 no. Okay. Let's, you know that when you think it's everybody else's job, <laughs> but not your own. Let, let's, let's remember the command to make disciples is for all of us. That, that we bring them in. And we're going to lay those foundations. We're going to do that in their life. And if they get something from somebody else, extra, bonus. All right? That's, and if I can't answer any questions, I can defer, bonus. But we are going to be thorough. Amen? Okay, because sometimes we get into that mentality. Now, I want to just conclude with, conclude with this. Does that growth help you understand what discipleship is and where to start? I hope it does. I want to go to a scripture in Matthew 9. We're going to close now. Are you still okay? All right. So I just stole a lot of time today, you know, so. Don't look at me. <laughs> it says this. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and infirmity. And when he saw the throngs, he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were distressed, dejected, and helpless, like sheep without 
sheep without disciple makers. They were just a whole lot of sheep, distressed, not knowing what to do next, where to go, what must I learn, how do I get victory in my finance, how do I get victory over temptation, how do I do this thing called marriage, how do I, there were just a bunch of sheep with no shepherds, nobody to guide them, nobody to show them the road, nobody to help them through the stuff, okay? And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but it's the laborers who are few. So what do we need? Laborers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust out laborers into his harvest. I think we need to believe that the harvest is plentiful. Let's not be content with the number of people we have online watching this right now or the number of people in this room. The harvest is plentiful. I want you to notice that Jesus looked to the people and he was broken. He had compassion. Why? Because there was only so much he could do as one man. The harvest is plentiful, but it's the laborers who are few. I want you to feel the words of Jesus this morning. He's looking at you as a disciple and he's saying, I want you to be a laborer. I want you to look at the fields and see that they're white for harvest. And I want you to step into people's lives and, and shepherd them and bring them along for the journey. Factories need laborers. People who will systematically and thoroughly assemble people's lives. Lay foundations like expert builders. I would love it if every single one of us in this room were expert builders. And we could just go and do that for one other person this year. Man, man, the impact of that. Often when we think about making an impact for Jesus, we think about filling a stadium. Problem with the stadium is it can be a whole lot of fans, but a very few amount of followers. A whole lot of converts, but a very few disciples. Uh, we've got to change our mentality in these last days. It's not about filling stadiums. It's not about doing... It's about taking one person and making a disciple. Let's make disciples, church. Let's go find somebody who doesn't know Jesus and let's bring them on that growth journey and help them to be all they can be for Jesus. I want to share this final graph with you. I want you to take a look at this red line for a moment. All right? A lot of, there was a study that was done. It was a, an American study. And they found out that many Christians flatline in their growth. They start up, they're excited about Jesus, but then they just flatline. They just plateau. They don't grow any further. And some even decrease in their walks with God. They even go backwards. How many of you have seen that? Okay, it's a very disheartening thing. Jesus doesn't feel as close as he used to. Church is not ex as exciting as it used to be. Not connecting with the Holy Spirit as they used to. There's just this level of discontent and not able to connect. And they, basically they're flatlining in their growth. The study was like, why are people flatlining in their growth? Why are they not continuing to grow more? And they found that there were three main reasons to study. The first reason, some, was the reason why some were flatlining. The second reason was why some others were flatlining. The third reason was why all of them were flatlining. Every single person who was flatlining had the third reason. Some had the first, some had the second. Very few had all three, but everyone had the third reason. 
What was the first reason why people flatlined? Isolation. Somehow they lost connection with the body. Somehow it just became about them and Jesus. And they stopped growing for that reason. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. You know, at Every Nation Durban, we never think that we're above a connect group. I'm never going to be above a connect group. I'm never going to be one of those pastors like, I don't need to do connect groups anymore. I'm like a professional now. Christian, I've done Christian. I, you know, I, no, I'm, I'm still there. Still need that, still need that small group. I still need that, that environment in order to grow. I'll lead it for the rest of my life and I'll be 90 something nine one day and I'll still be in a connect group. I can promise you. I'll be it maybe with a walking stick or something. I don't know, but I'll there. Okay. <laughs> Isolation was the first reason. Some, that's why some people started flatlining. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you, maybe through this lockdown period, you've, you've, felt like you've become isolated and maybe you felt like you plateaued what do you need to do plug back into the body plug back into the body the second reason was sin was the reason why some people flatlined sin somehow got in there maybe it was an ungodly relationship maybe they you know they they went off a little bit off the road a little bit some sort of sin got into their lives Maybe it was an addiction that started. And let me tell you something. When, when a sin has got hold of you and it's dominating your life, it will stunt your spiritual growth. To be aggressive with sin. We've got to be like, get every sin out. Like Hebrews 4 says, says free yourself of every entangling yoke of sin. Run with perseverance the call that's in front of you. Make sure it's out. Do whatever you need to do. Join a freedom group. Get into accountability. Do a fast. Do a pray. Get whatever you need. Get, get out of sin. Because it's only robbing you of becoming all that Christ intended for you. First reason, isolation. Why people flatline. Second reason was sin. The third reason, which everybody had who was flatlining, was that they were not involved in the Great Commission. They were not making disciples. Some had sin and they weren't making disciples. Some were isolated and they weren't making disciples. All of them were not making disciples. Go, let's just look at the Great Commission quickly. It says the following. It says, go make disciples of all nations. Skip right to the end. What does it say? And yo, yo, come on, it said, and yo, 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 I... Even to, even to Durban, South Africa. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? He's with disciple makers. And I will be with you. What is Jesus doing? He's making disciples. Exactly what he was doing on earth. If you feel like you lost Jesus somewhere, you feel like you're not connecting as much with him anymore, could it be that you're not involved in the Great Commission? Do you feel like you're flatlining, like you're growing, you were growing, and now it's just been like a horizontal line? Could it be that you're not where Jesus is and doing what Jesus is doing? You know, when you step into the Great Commission, you grow more than the people you're discipling. <laughs> it is the, one of the best ways to grow is take the BFC and teach it to someone. It reinforces the foundations in your own heart, in your own life. 
When, they, when you know you're going to be meeting with them, man, you know you need to pray and press into Jesus. And then you start to experience Him as the shepherd. You start to experience Him as Jehovah Shalom. You start to experience new aspects to Jesus which you would never ever experience because you're not involved in the game of making disciples. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? I hope I demystified discipleship. If you still have more questions, I'm here. We can talk. We have leaders, connect group leaders that you can chat to. But I want, I want us just to pray. Can we just have a moment to pray? I want to pray firstly for those of us who feel isolated right now. Father in heaven, for all those men and women here who, who are feeling isolated and feel like they're doing this alone, I pray right now for the power of your Spirit to come and knit them to, to the body of Christ. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you fill them with, it, with whatever they need to step out of the place of isolation and into the body, where there be courage, whether it be determination, whether it be perseverance, whether it be forgiveness even, whether it be that I tried and I failed and I don't want to try again, I might get rejected, I might get hurt. Lord, all those fears, I pray right now that you remove them in the name of Jesus and that you empower us to find friends, to find brothers, to find sisters so that we can do this journey together. Lord, I pray that the deception of isolation would be removed this morning. Thinking that we're actually okay doing it on our own. Lord, I pray that you remove that deception. Would you show us, Lord, how bad that thing is and how that is a seed of the enemy to destroy our lives. I pray that that be uprooted right now in the name of Jesus. And that we would see the body for what it is, the place where we find meaning, purpose, and, and the very life of Jesus himself. I want to pray now for, for those who are struggling in any particular type of sin. You feel like it's got a grip on you. I pray for freedom for you this morning. I pray for liberty. Lord, you said we must set captives free. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we come against every yoke, every bondage of the enemy to hold us back from being all that we're called to be, from causing us to live in condemnation and fear and a broken relationship with you. We come against all of that in the name of Jesus. We come against it. We break every yoke of Satan. Satan, I break your yoke in the name of Jesus. We come against you as a church this morning and we say that we are the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ here on the earth. I speak liberty to every captive in the name of Jesus. I see sins falling off you right now in the name of Jesus. I see freedom coming to you right now. Freedom, 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 freedom. Thank you for liberty today. And the third group I want to pray for is those who are not yet disciple makers. You're not yet involved in the Great Commission. You're not yet empowering others. Lord, I pray 
that this is a new day. Lord, you, you don't come with condemnation. You come and you convict us, and then you empower us. Like Felicity was saying, it, sometimes it feels like, oh my goodness, can I really do this? But when we just go, actually we can't. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> and we believe that you can give us the strength, you can give us the courage, you can give us the power, that we become people and men and women of faith. But we, I know disciple-making is, is about walking in faith. And I pray for just a faith injection this morning, that we will leave here today knowing what we need to do, and that we will go and do that with every person that we meet. Lord, may your, may your blessing be on this congregation today. Saints, will you lift your hands to heaven? May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine on you, on your business, on your marriage, on your family, on your career, on your studies. May His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you, every nation Durban. And may He bless you with shalom peace. Amen. Saints, let's go do this thing. Amen. I'd love to say there's tea and coffee outside. Not yet. We're getting there, okay? Um, but you're welcome to fellowship. Let's enjoy each other. You know, this parking lot outside, if you feel like you don't want to be in a closed space or whatever, keep social distancing wherever we can. Let's still obey our government. Amen. And challenged by today's message, we would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code.